we see the theme of devotion being illustrated in so many ways in our world. In good literature, we read of the devotion of individuals that, that, that individuals have to one another, like Sam and Frodo. We watch movies that display the devotion to an agenda or to a relationship, like The Princess Bride. We see in the sports world devotion to a team, to a cause, like we witnessed during March Madness. We reveal our own devotion to our own priorities by how we spend our time and our money and our calories. I am devoted to ice cream, so I spend time and money and calories prioritizing the consumption of ice cream and Oreos. What you love, who you love, you devote yourself to. Joshua 7 is all about devotion. Would you please find that chapter in your copy of the Scriptures? Joshua chapter 7. It can be found on page 171 of the Pew Bible. Joshua is the sixth book of the Christian Old Testament, and it records for us some of the history, some of the history of the nation of Israel. We have noted that the first five chapters record for us the entering of Israel into the Promised Land. Chapters 6 through 12 record for us the fighting of Israel for the Promised Land. Chapters 13 through 21 record for us the distributing of the Promised Land. And then chapters 22 through 24 give some admonishments about the Promised Land. So as we look at chapter 7 today, we're into that second section of Israel fighting for the Promised Land. The book is more than just a history of Israel, though. The book of Joshua is, a, is about the history of our promise-keeping God. Joshua was the military leader that God had chose for the children of Israel. And Joshua has been a faithful leader to this point, and God has blessed him. Last week we studied the victory that God provided for Joshua and for the children of Israel uh, as they conquered the city of Jericho. Today is a different story, literally. A new narrative about God's children. This narrative is not about God's victory, but instead, it's about God's wrath. It's about God's anger against sin. If you are not a follower, if you're, if you're not a follower of Christ yet, if you're not a child of God yet, this passage should be and will be difficult for you to hear. The message of this text should make you tremble at the thought of facing God's anger against you because of your own individual sin. For us as believers, while it is true that we won't face God's anger for our sin because of Christ, this passage will remind you about your own individual responsibility to find your satisfaction in God alone and to run away from sin. I'm going to read the entire chapter at the outset this morning. Try to keep your mind engaged for this longer reading. Joshua chapter 7, this is God's word. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. 
And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-haven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai. And make not all the people to labor there, for they are but a few people. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai smote them, about thirty-six men, for they chased Israel from before uh, the gate uh, even to Shebram, and smote them in the going down. Wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. And Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord until the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all, at brought us this people over the Jordan to, to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites, to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us round and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken of the accursed thing, they have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to their families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall come by households, and the household which the Lord shall take shall come by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. So Joshua rose up early in the morning, and he brought Israel out by their tribes. And the tribe of Judah was taken. And he brought the family of Judah, and he took the family of the Zerites. And he brought the family of the Zerites man by man. And Zabdi was taken. And he brought his household man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, Give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. And, a and Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold, and fifty, sh of sh 50 shekels weight. Then I coveted them and took them 
And behold, they are hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran unto his tent. And behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. And they took them out in the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver, and the garment, and the wedge of gold, and his sons, and his daughters, and his oxen, and his asses, and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all of Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. God had given Israel victory over Jericho. Achan sins. Israel is defeated by Ai. This chapter puts on display the intense anger that God has for sin. God is not to be trifled with. God is holy. And God has made clear the expectations that He has for His children. Our world today has become all too casual with God. And that lack of respect for the holiness of God has its way even of creeping into our churches. You should tremble at the prospect of experiencing God's wrath for sin. You do not want to experience God's anger for sin. In fact, somebody else already did so that you don't have to. His name is Jesus. Are you devoted to him? Two big points, two big thoughts for us, and the first has five sub-ideas. First of all, God's wrath is justified. God's wrath is deserved because of our sin. And we'll note five observations about our sin. And then secondly, that we'll come to at the very end, God's wrath is appeased because of our Savior. First of all, God's wrath is justified because of our sin. Over the years, there have been many sermons that have been preached from this passage. Many have taught, many of those sermons have taught that Israel was defeated because they were too confident in themselves in going up against Ai. Or they, Israel was defeated by Ai because they went into battle without praying about what should happen. Failure to pray is a problem. Being overconfident in self is a problem that could, that could be included in some preaching and it should be preached about, but not from this passage. This passage is primarily about God's anger for the sin of Israel. Make no mistake about it, friends. Israel was defeated by Ai because they had sinned against the holiness of God. It's noted in verse number 1, they had committed a trespass. It could be translated that they broke faith or that they were unfaithful. And then again in verse 12, 
Therefore, God is replying to Joshua. He says, therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but they turned their backs before their enemies because they were cursed. Neither will I be with you anymore, God says, except you destroy the accursed from among you. The problem was that Israel had been devoted to destruction. Israel's chief problem is the same as our chief problem, sin. Israel's chief problem is the same as our chief problem. We are devoted, we are inclined to be devoted to someone or to something other than Jehovah God. God's wrath is deserved. God's wrath is justified because of our sin. Consider five aspects of sin that we see in this passage. First of all, we see that our sin takes us by surprise. Did you notice the sudden, suddenness between chapters 6 and chapter 7? The great victory against Jericho. And then the very next verse, the people sinned against God. We've probably experienced the same kind of extremes in our own walk with God. You have a mountaintop experience. You feel like you really are, are seeing God working in your life. And then you crash and burn by giving into the temptations that you have previously fled away from. Just because you had devotions this morning doesn't mean you won't sin, won't rebel against God today. One minute we feel like Elijah on Mount Carmel calling down fire on God's altar. The next minute we feel like Elijah at Horeb complaining about being the only one left. Israel falls into the midst, in the midst of their own success against Jericho. Literally, while they were in the middle of pursuing God, that's what they were doing when Achan took of the accursed thing. Achan was a soldier. He was one of, the, 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 of Israel's armies in the battle against Jericho. He was on the right side. He marched around the city. He followed some of God's instructions. But he still was devoted to something else. Friend, you can be on the right side. You can follow God's instruction. You can come to church on Sunday. You can read your Bible on Monday. You can have conservative Christian standards. You can be a member of a church and still rebel against a holy God. This is the surprise of sin. In one sense, we're, we're not surprised, right? right? We've, there, a bunch of us have been Christians for decades, and we readily admit that we're going to mess up. But on the other hand, we're often caught off guard precisely because we're busy doing what is right. We're busy following the instructions that God has given to us. I'm a pastor. I've had the privilege of many hours and days and over the years studying God's Word a lot. But I can remember days when I had spent much time in the Word, spent time in preparation, uh, in, in, spent time in prayer with God, spent time serving people within a congregation, spent time uh, in the middle of, of preparing a sermon and taking a break from preparing to preach God's Word. And during that break, entered into sinful anger with my wife or with my kids. In those moments, as I am more devoted to my agenda and my desires and my hopes than I was devoted to obeying God, in a sense, my sin came at a surprising time. Just because you had devotions this morning doesn't mean you won't sin today. Our sin can take us by surprise. A second aspect of sin that we can see in this passage is that our sin affects others. It affects our brothers and sisters. Joshua does what he's familiar with, right? He was one of the original spies. Then he sent spies into to, to Jericho. Now he's spending, sending spies over to Ai. 
They come back and they decide to send three, about 3,000 soldiers into battle. Israel loses 36 and they come back humiliated. The narrator tells us that the hearts of the people of Israel melted. Now if that sounds familiar to you, it should because that's the exact description that the, that the narrator uses in describing Rahab when the people of Jericho had heard about how God had helped Israel. The hearts of the people of, of Jericho had melted. But now the tables were turned. Just as Jericho had fallen under the justice of God, Israel had now been defeated under that same justice. Friends, God is no respecter of persons. This situation brings a question to the surface. Why did all of Israel feel the sting of one man's sin? Why was a nation experiencing the consequences of one man's sin? God says in Joshua chapter 7 that Israel had sinned. Achan represented Israel. Achan robbed the whole nation of the purity that it was pursuing before God. One man's sin turned away God's blessing on a whole people. You remember we read through the first six chapters this recurring theme over and over and over again that, I, that God says, I will be with you. He promised his presence with, uh, with his people. Now in chapter 7 he says, I won't be with you until you have destroyed the accursed thing. One man's sin turned away God's blessing on a whole people. This is not limited to Achan, of course. We see it other times in scriptures. We certainly see it in the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve served as our representatives. Sin has an effect on other people. We see this often in families, don't we? We see maybe a, a married couple, and they sin against one another. And whether it's sins of selfishness or unfaithfulness, whatever the sins are, those sins lead them to make the harsh decision of divorcing. And then we often think, especially if there are young children in those families, how the children are affected by that decision for a, for a husband and a wife to divorce. Children are experiencing, are affected by the sins that are not their own. Did you know that churches like that? When individuals hold on to sin, when we individually rebel against God, our sin has an effect on the health of the whole church. When you attempt to hide ongoing sin in your life, you not only hinder your walk with God, you hinder the health of Harvest Bible Church. It is a duty of a church to discipline members when there is ongoing and willful and continued unrepentant sin. There must be discipline. There are many advantages of being a member of, of a church. There's many advantages of being a member of, of Harvest Bible Church. You have focused prayers for you. You have support that comes to you. You have opportunities for service that would not otherwise be there for you. But another advantage of membership is the accountability that it provides. You will not be allowed to continue in unrepentant sin as a member of Harvest Bible Church. This is no idle threat. In fact, it is more of a hopeful promise we love you so much. We love one another so much. We care more about the glory of God than we care about somebody being embarrassed. And therefore, you will be confronted with sin. We are not called to exact punishment on individuals, on members of this congregation. However, we are called to hold one another accountable for the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, for the glory of God and for the health of God, of this congregation. Turn from your individual sin. Repent 
confess it to God and ask for the divinely ordained support group, the local church, to help you to keep on towards God. Sin sometimes takes us by surprise. Our sin affects our our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thirdly, we note that our sin reveals our individual dissatisfaction. While, While corporate solidarity is a reality, so is individual responsibility, right? God was in the process of delivering. He was actually in the process of delivering Achan and the children of Israel into the land that was flowing with milk and honey. They had already stopped the manna diet. They had already forged through the dry uh, riverbed of the Jordan River. They had already heard the hearts of their opponents melting with fear. They had already watched the city walls of Jericho fall down flat by the omnipotence of God. But that wasn't enough for Achan. He wanted more. Achan was dissatisfied. Achan's dissatisfaction gave birth to his disobedience. Every man is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And when desire conceives, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Achan saw. He coveted, and then he took. Gold and silver, maybe revealing his desire for wealth. A Babylonian robe, maybe showing his desire to be fashionable. And those same temptations of materialism and worldliness are rampant in our world today. God has already created this world. God has already given to us life. God has already blessed us in many, many ways. God has already sacrificed His one and only Son for us. And yet, we often want more. Achan saw And he coveted, and he took. It was the same in the Garden of Eden. They saw the fruits. They coveted an opportunity to believe the lie that they could be like God. And they took. It was the same with David. He saw Bathsheba bathing, and he coveted another man's wife, and he took. Achan's sin was breaking the first and the tenth commandments. He was loving another God, and he was coveting what was not his. Covetousness is when you desire something too much. Covetousness is desiring something more than you would desire even God. And the root of covetousness is dissatisfaction. So is dissatisfaction showing up in your life? What do you treasure? What captures your time? How do you display your dissatisfaction? It could be your love of money. It could be your love of being in charge. It could be your perfectionism. It could be your physical body. It could be your children. It could be your spouse. Maybe you love the approval of other people so much that you'll do anything to obtain that approval. You'll even sin against God. You see it, you covet it, and you take it. Your desire for a promotion can cause you to love your job more than you love God. Your desire for sex can drive you to to immorality. You can find a million ways to to live out, to display the sin of covetousness. So you say, how do I know if I'm being covetous? Well, what seems to be God in your life? What are you looking for for purpose? What do you look for to give you security in this life? What disappoints you most in this life? Answer some of those questions, and you very well may find a false God that is demanding your love 
It's demanding your time. It's demanding your energy. It's demanding your money. And it's your way of going into the city, seeing something, seeing what God has said don't have, taking it for your own. The problem today that we face is that we aren't calling sin, sin. We're not calling what the Bible calls sin, sin. Churches are getting soft on calling sin, sin. We're quick to call out abortion because we wouldn't ever consider murder to be right. We easily identify homosexuality as a black and white sin as, as identified in the Bible. But here it is. Heterosexual individual. Your porn problem is no less a sin before God than a homosexual sin before God. We need to call sin what God calls sin. The church must clearly condemn premarital sex and fornication of all sorts and adultery and unbiblical divorce and all manner of sins that reveal our own dissatisfaction of hearts. It's not about all the sinners out there. Achan was a religious insider like you and me. Achan was from the prestigious tribe of Judah. It reminds me of how many of us have, been, have a Christian heritage. And just like Achan could not hide, you and I cannot hide behind our religion. Our sin takes us by surprise. Our sin affects brothers and sisters. Our sin reveals our dissatisfaction. Fourthly, our sin insults our holy God. Joshua prays in verses 8 and 9. says, Lord, what shall I do? Israel turns their, their backs before their enemies. They, they've been chased down. This complaint sounds very familiar to us. It's, it sounds like Israel's complaints in the wilderness in their, during their wandering times. However, Joshua's prayer is different from this. Because he says, he says oh, why did you even bring us across the Jordan? And they, like they had said, why did you even bring us across the Red Sea? Here, into the wilderness to die? But Joshua's prayer is different. Israel had cried out in unbelief. Joshua was crying out in despair. Complaining to God is not the same as complaining about God. There are times where we are to lament. There are times where we are to call out to God and just and, and complain uh, and, and give to Him are the sorrows and the griefs of our hearts. This is what Joshua does. Joshua was concerned about the name of God being trampled upon if word got out that Israel had experienced defeat. So he pours out his concern that the, the Canaanites would environ Israel round. That means that they would be surrounded and they would look down on God. Joshua's co concern was for the glory of God. So he raises the question, why? Why had Israel been defeated? And God responds. Verse 10, the Lord said unto Joshua, get thee up. Verse 12, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies. But they turned. They turned away. What did they do? Verse 11, they have taken of the accursed thing, they have stolen, they have dissembled, and they have put it even among their own stuff. When it says they had dissembled, that doesn't mean that they, they had dispersed. It means, it's a word that means they had lied. They had, they had been deceitful before God. Our sin not only hampers our pursuit of God, it not only affects our brothers and sisters in Christ, foundationally, our sin insults our holy God. Christian sin cannot be tolerated in your life. You must root out the seeds of dissatisfaction. You cannot tolerate covetousness. You must run from the sin that so easily besets you. Why? Because your sin is against a holy God. It's blatant rebellion against Him. It's an attempt to steal His glory. 
Our sin takes us by surprise. Our sin affects our brothers and sisters in Christ. Our sin reveals our own dissatisfaction. Our sin insults our holy God. And fifthly, we see that our sin brings about our death. Joshua goes, now goes through this slow process of elimination and they, they, you know, by narrowing it down from tribe to family to individual. Achan confesses what he has done. Achan's sin brought a severe punishment. His livestock and his possessions were all taken into the valley. The stuff he stole was taken and put into the valley of, of Achor with Achan. His family was also taken into the valley. And there the people lifted up stones and they destroyed this man, his family, and all that he owned. And they burned it with fire. It was called the Valley of Achor, a place of trouble. It's hard for us to think about the severity of punishment. But the severity, the, the severity of this punishment matches the seriousness of sin. Achan's sin brought about death. God gave the Canaanites 400 years of, of mercy before he destroyed Jericho. You remember that from our previous studies. But he doesn't always do that. Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead soon after their sin. Achan, Achan's sin brought his death soon also. Romans chapter 3 tells us that all of us have sinned, that none of us naturally seek after God, and that none of us are righteous. Romans chapter 6 tells us that the payment for that sin, the penalty for that sin, is literally eternal death, separation from God. Friends, all of this sin of ours, the sin that takes us by surprise, the sin that affects our brothers and sisters in Christ, the sin that reveals our core problem of covetousness, the sin that goes against the glory of God, the sin that eventually brings about death, all of that about our sin justifies God's wrath. His wrath is due to be upon us because of our sin. Because God is holy, because God has commanded us to fear Him, it is fair, it is just, it is deserved for His anger to be upon us. You should tremble at the prospect of experiencing God's wrath. You don't want to experience it. Somebody else already has so that you don't have to. His name is Jesus. Are you devoted to him? The Bible presents an, a second aspect, another part of God's wrath. Yes, God's wrath is justified because of our sin, but thankfully God's wrath is appeased because of our Savior. Look again for, uh, for the, at the final verse of Joshua chapter 7. They raised over Achan a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord, here it is, so the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. And now would you please turn to the minor prophet of Hosea. Hosea chapter number 2. If you're using the Pew Bible, that is, can be found on page 633. We read here in Hosea, right after the book of Daniel, chapter 2, of this valley of Achor. Hosea chapter 2, verse number 14, here's what we read. Therefore, behold, I will allure her and bring her into the wilderness, and speak comfortably unto her, and I will give her, give her her vineyards from thence, 
and the valley of Acre for a door of hope. And she shall sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came out of the land of Egypt. Hosea is a story of God's judgment in the life of, of the unfaithful wife of Hosea. Hosea's wife was not devoted to her husband. She betrayed Hosea. And her, her betrayal pictures Israel's betrayal of God. Her lack of devotion, her betrayal brought judgments. Sin brings judgments. It's, it's an idea, it's a truth that's presented all the way from Genesis chapter 3 to, Re, to the end of Revelation. Sin brings judgments. But God uses judgment to bring about change that turns that judgment to hope. And that's what we read of. That's what's predicted here in Hosea chapter 2. Acre was a place of trouble. Acre was a place of terrible judgment. And Hosea tells us it would be a door of hope. The cross, the cross of Christ, was a place of terrible judgment. But it was also a door of hope. How? Achan and Jesus, both from the tribe of Judah, just as Achan represented Israel, Christ will represent all who place their faith in him. And although the penalty was severe for Achan, it was even more severe for Christ. The penalty could be no more severe than what Christ endured at the cross. The weight of our sin, his father turning away his affirming gaze. My friends, the fact of the matter is this. It took the eternal father turning his face away from the eternal son. The severity of judgment is an index to the enormity of our sin. Our sin, our sin, your sin brings death. Paul teaches us in Romans chapter 5 that just as the failures of one can be passed on to all men, so can the victories of one. Chapter 5 verse 12, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Verse 19, for as one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Jesus took on the trouble of Achor upon himself. Jesus was troubled for us. He went into the valley and he faced judgment in order that God's wrath for our sin could be appeased. And as verse 26 says, once Achan had been crushed for his sins, the Lord turned from the fierceness of his, ang from his anger toward Israel. And once Christ was crushed for our sins, the Lord turned from the fierceness of his, of his anger for us. And now all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the fear fierceness of God's anger towards them. This doesn't happen by our efforts. This doesn't happen by our, by our works. This happens by God's grace. God simply chooses to give us faith in his son Jesus, who became trouble for us. Hallelujah. What a Savior. You should tremble at the prospect of experiencing God's wrath. You do not want to experience it. Somebody else already has so that you don't have to. His name is Jesus. Are you satisfied in him? Are you devoted to him? Your devotion to God should come out of a heart of thanksgiving that Christ has appeased God's wrath for you. So the call is to run from the accursed thing. The call is to run from sin and to be devoted to God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. One commentator put it this way, the testimony of Joshua chapter 7 is that we cannot treat cancer with vitamin pills. It requires 
radical surgery. Christ came to satisfy you. Christ came so that you could de desire him above everything that you could see on Instagram or YouTube or Facebook. Christ came so that you will be satisfied. You will be tempted to covet someone else's spouse. Only Christ can satisfy you. You will be tempted to believe that sex outside of marriage will satisfy you. Only Christ can satisfy you. You will be tempted to believe that you have, if you have certain friends, your life will be complete. Only Christ can satisfy you. You will be tempted to believe that if you have a certain amount of money, that all will be well. Only Christ can satisfy you. You will be tempted to believe that if you have career success or if your children have success, that you will have satisfaction in this life. Only Christ can satisfy you. Friends, Christ came so that you would not keep looking for something or someone else to satisfy you. Christ came to quench your thirst. Christ came to experience God's anger for your covetousness so that you would no longer have to experience God's anger against you. So, devote yourself to Him. Love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength. Devote your life to the one who frees you from all bondage to sin. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.